Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. So I'm, I've been like on a broken record. I've been asking you the same question for two weeks. So if you've just turned up this morning, you haven't missed anything. Because I'm going to ask the same question again. You ready? Here's the question. What do you want? What do you want? Like, what do you really, really want? And um, I've, been, I've been asking myself the same question. And I realized as I was going through all of this, I thought, um, allow me to give you three-year-old Sam's answer to what he really wants. Um, because it was after a service like this that we'd probably gone home. It was around probably this, this time, you know, at home. And, and, uh, and my parents had asked me, they'd said, uh, you know, Sam, what do you think heaven is like? Oh, heaven. Mm. I think heaven is when you can go to the fridge and pour your own juice. <laughs> Heaven is when you can go to the fridge and pour your own juice. And for a three-year-old, like that was the biggest thing I could want then. That's, that's what we were asking. That, that was the, that's the biggest thing a three-year-old could want, isn't it? <laughs> um, but is that, is that the real want, class? Now, could it be possible there's, there's a want beyond the want in that answer and that response. And as, I, as adult Sam listens to three-year-old Sam, and I realise what three-year-old Sam was saying that he really wanted is three-year-old Sam really wanted freedom. Freedom, to be able to do whatever you want, to, to live in a state of glory with God where, where you just ran free. And so if it's true for a three-year-old, could it be true for you as you're trying to answer that question over these past couple of weeks that even the biggest things that you're dreaming of right now, and even with all the searching that you're trying to do with that, that the answer that you may well come up with is to God as you would be to, three, uh, to a three-year-old version of yourself? You see, one of the challenges we're finding is we can sort of dream up what it is that we want, but finding what we want is tricky. You know, we, we think we know what we want, and then we realise that what we want when we have it our way won't lead us to where we really want to be. And then lurking in the shadows of what we want is what we really value. And then we realise that what, when we want what we really value, what we naturally want is at war with what we actually ultimately value. Make sense? <laughs> if it didn't podcast it, right? That was the last two weeks summarised for you, podcast it. So here's what we want to look at this morning, the want beyond the want, what we... What we truly ultimately value. How do we find the want beyond the want, the freedom beyond the juice? And so I looked up some sound advice. Uh, here it is here. Uh, I just looked it up on the internet. So get your pens out. It's not going to be up on the screen. So just Googled it. Here it is. Uh, get your set up right. Be prepared. Plan ahead. Act fast. Don't be precious. Don't give it all away. Embrace odd. Hmm. Um, now, if you're wanting to know uh, the spiritual depths from which I plumbed all of that information, that was an actual an article from Elle magazine <laughs> titled Seven Rules for Taking the Perfect Envy-Inducing Food Instagram Pick. Right? Sound advice. <laughs> now, at the risk, at the risk of sold, sounding old manish, and I don't mean that in a derogatory term in any way, but at the, at the risk of old, sounding old manish, what is the world coming to? I mean, have you been to Cavalier just behind us? They, they make great coffee. I'm at Cavalier like three weeks ago, and there is someone with a Canon EOS 5D with a zoom lens over the top of his smashed avocado. <laughs> have you ever seen this on Sydney's Lower North Shore? Yeah, it, it's happening. It's happening. <laughs> and I, 
I, I know that we chuckle at this, but we shouldn't because that is the world that you and I have just come out of this week. And if we can just call a spade a spade, you know, we live in a world that I would define like this. We live in a world that is constantly fueled by upgrades and experiences. That's all that Instagram is fueling. Yet another shot of a home and away star in the Maldives. I saw one, you know, just sitting there with a floating plate of food. Who takes photos of floating plates of food in the Maldives? <laughs> there we go. Oh, aren't we envious? Yeah, you're hungry now. Yeah. <laughs> you see, the kingdom of this world won't give you what you want. Because when you see the king, and when I say the kingdom of this world, I'm not talking about like Lord of the Rings, some old guys around a table with magic potions controlling the puppet strings of the kingdom of this world. I'm talking about that stuff. I'm just talking about what's in front of you, the values, the culture, the stuff that we hold up, the fact that we think that that is a worthy use of our time to take photos of food and post it on the internet. That world, that world won't give you what you want because that world is geared to distracting you from what you really want. Want. It just distracts, it robs you, it steals you of that, of what you really want. And so part of the challenge is that how we how we dig down and find what it is that really matters most. And there's there's a way that you can do this. Um, I stumbled across it, but it's a, I'm gonna give you a little test that you can do at home. It's gonna be like a little set of chlorine strips for your own soul. You know, you can just dip it into your soul and put it up against yeah, everyone that's laughing obviously owns a pool. Um, <laughs> I'm going to give you a test, but I, I stumbled across this, and it's actually the way that I ended up in ministry. And so, you know, allow me to share how that happened. But um, back in my earlier days here at Northside, I'd, I'd just re-engaged here as a young adult. I'd had my crazier young adult season of life, uh, 21, 22, which is what most young adults do, the Friday night partying. And um, I was working at Lindley's as an accountant. And, and Troy Blair was around here at the time, remember? And, and, and he caught, there's like five young adults in the place. And we'd gone to our horse riding for the disabled. And we were serving at horse riding for the disabled. And, and I was... I was leading this, this young guy, like he's literally like two years, three years younger than I, uh, uh, around on the back of this horse. He's sort of, you know, big guy, healthy looking. And, um, but he was just staring into the space, you know, drooling the poor guy on, on, on top of this horse. And I said to his carer, like I said, um, it, you know, it must be so tough if he's been like this all his life. And the, the carer said, oh, he, he hasn't been like this all his life. Um, he, he was a real athlete. Uh, he was just in a car accident three months ago and his head hit the A-frame of the window in the car and uh, it caused brain damage and that's it for the rest of his life. You know, in, 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 in that moment, the reality of everything in life just went bang. And that moment shook me. I mean, like I came, I came out of that moment and I left the horse riding for this. I went straight to Flight Centre Warringah Mall and I booked myself a return ticket to Canada on a working holiday and I thought all of the work, all of the stuff, all of the accounting, forget it. Forget it. Doesn't, doesn't matter. And, and, and here's the principle of what was happening in that, in that moment. You know, in that moment, I, I looked at this guy and I thought, you know what, if that is me in three weeks or three months or, or 10 years for that matter, I don't know what life is coming at me. You know, if, if that's coming at me in that moment, then, then what do I want to be known for or what do I want to have at least left behind if there's nothing else that I can say to people? 
And in that moment, I went, you know, it's not numbers and it's not a spreadsheet. Now, side note, if you're an accountant, bless you. (laughs) You know, I once was lost, now I'm found. (laughs) You're on your journey. (laughs) But look, the point is it's not the profession. The point is the profession was becoming everything for me. You know, you know this, you've been 23 or 24 or 34 or 44 for that matter. You know the challenge that it is when all of your life becomes dominated by what you do and who you are and how you look. And when, when I went into that exercise of realising, you know, if this is the last chance, if I've got three years to go before I end up on the back of a horse like that, then, then I don't know if what I'm doing back there is leading to what I would truly value here. Now... You guys don't have to go horse riding for the disabled. You know, there's an exercise you can do. And in fact, um, Stephen Covey, you know, the guy, he, he coined the phrase, didn't he? And many of you at Northside would know this. You know, that he, he coined the phrase in this principle, beginning with the end in mind. Now, I, I just stumbled. I hadn't read The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, as my father so wonderfully told all of you at Christmas time in my message. <laughs> if you were here... <laughs> Um, but that's the principle. Begin, begin with the end in mind. And you know, you know what? Here's the thing that shocked me. The thing that shocked me when I began with the end in mind is I came to realise that all of the things that I wanted over here, all the things that I thought of value weren't of value at all and all the things that I thought were of value now and I really wanted had nothing to do with performance or product or, or, or appearances, but it had everything to do with who I was. And so here's what this principle does. Here, this principle, beginning with the end in mind, it, it takes... It takes what is important and it distills it down. It takes what you think matters and it distills it down to a single line matters most. What do you want? What do you want? And, you know, all of life in that moment then suddenly is not about what's important. Is this important? Is that, it, it's what is most important. And it becomes clearer and clearer and clearer. Now... Uh, how do we find that? And um, here's where we are, because for, for two to three weeks, I've been dangling a little carrot in front of you saying, by the time I get to this week, uh, I'm going to share with you how you find the things of most value. And part of the challenge now that I've got to be a little bit honest with you is that I got to my desk this week and um, I actually don't know. <laughs> and, and I was in this fervent state of like, oh Lord, how am I going to come up with something funny and fancy and whatever it would be, something you're know, really profound in this. And, and as I always come back to, I came to realise that, you know, I'm just the male boy. You know, there is, there is someone here that delivers a message of what really matters most and it's Jesus Christ. And, and Jesus, ironically, in the passage that we've had this morning, um, shows us not only what matters most, but he shows you how to find it. Would you like to know that? What matters most, but he also shows you how to find it. And he does it in this passage here in Matthew chapter 13, where he says, the kingdom of heaven, it's like treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all that he had and he bought that field. Again, Jesus says, in case he didn't get it the first time, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. And so Jesus in here, you'll see that there's principles around searching and there's principles around finding. There's principles around the value and there's principles around how you know that you've got it. How do you know that you've got the thing of value? The f- well, the first way is you've got to work out how you find the thing of value. And the way that you find the thing of value of ultimate value that matters most, it's this, you need to go digging in fields of ordinariness. 
You go digging in fields of ordinariness. Jesus says, Matthew chapter 13, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. And when the man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all that he bought all he had and he bought that field. You know? So first of all, it says this man found a treasure in the field. Now, someone says that's pretty unlikely. Well, back in those days, no, it's not unlikely. In fact, it's probably what was going to happen. You know, back in those days, uh, people were, people, well, they didn't have ATM cards. There were no banks. And so if you had things of great treasure and you thought a marauding army was going to come through, what did you do with your treasure? You buried it. You know, in modern day Palestine, which is where all these stories were taking place, that was one of the most warred over areas on the globe at that point in time. So if you thought a marauding army is coming down the valley of Armageddon at you, you buried your treasure. And you went and fought the war and, and hopefully if you didn't make it, you know, if you're sorry, if you did make it, you come dig it back up. And then if you didn't make it, well, it got left there. And so as a result, there was actually like a Jewish law that was like finders keepers. And so if, if you just stumbled across it in the field, well, it was yours. There was that much war happening, it was yours. And so here we have a case of a man who finds this treasure in a field and so in his joy, it says, goes back into town and does all he can because he realises that it's his, but what if someone else gets it? So he goes back into town to secure the rights to that plot of land. Now, you know, you know what small towns are like, maybe. <laughs> maybe you've come from a small town. I like to imagine in this story like, one of those ones in middle, middle America somewhere, you know, with the cornfields and, the, you know, the two, the two people out there and, you know, the rocking chair. You hear about old Smokey Joe last weekend. He wanted that damn darn plot down there again, you know, and nothing on it but a rusty tractor and a few rocks, <laughs> right? Was that all right? That's good. Carl and Allison are from the Deep South. They do, they're sort of, I'll have to check with them later anyway. <laughs> You know, I sort of imagine it like that, you know, that, that it, would, it would seem ridiculous that this man is obsessing over such ordinary things. Friends, isn't that true of the Christian? Yeah, the, the, whole, the whole principle here is that Jesus is saying, you know what, if you want to find the things of treasure, you're going to have to find it under fields of ordinariness. And if you truly want to find it, you're going to have to dig for it. We said that last week. It's It's a fight. Things of value are not natural. You've got to expend effort. You've got to put the effort in. You've, and the kingdom of this world doesn't want you doing that. It wants to distract you from that. It doesn't want you in that place. The kingdom of the world doesn't operate beneath the surface. In fact, the kingdom of this world always operates on the surface, right? You know this as well as I do. We, we see this. You know, the kingdom of this world, it's all about the surface. You know, if you think that you're a person of value in accordance with the kingdom of this world, you know that you've got to look right and you've got to do right and you've got to have the right clothes and you've got to have the right amount of money and you've got to have the right places to be and you've got to have the right people to know and that all of the kingdom of this world is boiled down to is simply the surface. And Jesus Christ says to us, look, if you want to find things of value, you've got to get in there and dig. How many of you have been blessed by that person because you're a Christian and you're in the church and you've been blessed by that person that you know that, you know what, if it weren't for Jesus, you'd go, there is no way that you and I would be hanging out together right now. (laughs) In fact, I think that's one of the ways that you know that you're a Christian. You look at the people around you and go, you know what, by the world's standards, we should not be hanging out. Either I'm sort of not in your level or you're sort of not in my level as the world would see it. But you know what? You know, there is, there is something beautiful about you and there is something wonderful about you. Now, how do you find friendships like that? 
You open up your home, you, you, you sacrifice your time, you say no to the usual people you want to hang out with, <laughs> you expend energy to listen. What is all of that activity? You're digging. You're digging in fields of ordinariness. And, and the, the great news for you then is that if, if that's the case, if it's hidden like this, you know, Jesus is saying it's right underneath your nose. All of, all of this, what you're really looking for is right underneath your nose. You've just got to expend the energy and dig and you might just discover. So not only do you have to, to dig, but then we see how then you know what you found because a lot of people do a lot of digging and they don't find much at all. So how do, you know that you've, how, how do you know that you've found the thing of ultimate value? Here's how you know once you've found it, all of your life orients around it. All of your life orients around it. You see here in Matthew 13 in the second story, Jesus says, Then again, the kingdom of heaven's like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and he sold everything he had and he bought it. You know, notice it doesn't say, you know, a merchant, you know, who, by the way, this is a guy with the little eyepiece and the tweezers and the big robe and he's, he's, used, he's used to doing all of the pearls out on the bench there at the jewellery shop in Jerusalem or wherever it is. You know, this, it, it doesn't say when he finds it, he puts it on the shelf in order to admire it amongst all the other great stuff. Notice how it doesn't say when he finds a great pearl that he just places it there and he comes back to it when he feels like it would be an opportune time to do so. No, it says when he finds the great pearl, he, he takes everything he had as a big businessman and he liquidates it. Like I'm talking Persian rug liquidation here. You know, I'm talking this is a dude in Jerusalem with a honky little battery powered speaker going, pearls, pearls, prices you've never seen before. They're walking out the door. There's nothing you're going to do to get a pearl better than this. You know, and he's all secretly. <laughs> and he's secretly trying to dish these things that people would be falling over because he knows he's got the ultimate one here. Spiritual principle. You, if you want to know how you find it, you don't, have to, you don't have to work to find the thing of value. When you find the thing of value, your life will naturally orbit it, gravitate to it, fall into it. It says, with joy, these guys sell everything they have. Liquidate it with, with, with joy. Let, let, let me put it in a... Let me grant it in modern terms. You know, like if, if you were dying of an incurable disease and um, you've got months to live and then I come and say to you, hey, look, you know, the great news is uh, we've been over in the States and we've, we've found a cure and it's here. It's in this vial and it's just one shot. And you would say, give it to me. What is it? What's it going to take? Just, just give it to me. And they say, well, sorry, I, I hate to tell you, but it's uh, $850,000. And you're like, well, you know, you're looking at your house, you're looking at everything you've saved up for, and you're looking at everything that's going to cost you, everything you've got. And then you look at this little vial and you see what it's worth to you, and you're thinking, well, you know, if I can't continue, there's not much use having this thing. Let's move it all on. Give it to me. You wouldn't, you wouldn't think about it. Jesus says, you know, when you find this thing, you will, you will instantly transfer the things of material wealth. And some of us are thinking, look, there is, how the heck would we ever, how could that ever happen in our lives? And here's the way it happens. It was easy for these guys to liquidate these things of incredible wealth because they had already transferred the wealth emotionally in their hearts. There had, there had, there's a transfer of the physical wealth because there's already a transfer of the emotional wealth because now when they've looked upon this thing, there's excitement, there's joy. I've found this thing of value. 
So some of you are going, come on, get practical. Tell me, how do I know it's of value? Look, ask yourself this question. What do I orbit? <laughs> what do you orbit? I mean, what I mean by that is, you know, every, there, there is someone or something that is the gravity at the center of the human heart. And we rotate around that. And if you want to know what that is, if you're not sure how to get to it, here's another couple of little chlorine strip tests for you. You can write down. You know, the first, the first way you know what you orbit is, um, is the solitude test. Um, Archbishop William Temple said, here's how you know what you orbit, what you worship, what is the thing of ultimate value in your life. He said, what is it that you think about when you don't have to think about anything at all? What is it that you think about when you don't have to think about it all? Dallas Villard said, our, our first freedom is where we allow our thoughts to dwell. So what, what, do you, what do you think about when no one's watching? What do you think about when you're alone? That's going to give you an insight in terms of what is of great value to you. At the more negative end of the spectrum is the nightmare test. The other way to think about it is what, what thing that someone or something, what thing if you lost it would be a nightmare to you? What do you get anxious about? What do you worry about? What keeps you up at night? That, that could be what you're orbiting. <laughs> you know what? We sung this principle this morning. We sung this principle in the, in the, in the middle of worship. It, just, it hit me. It's just that line that I, I think, you know, you and I, like, we go, oh, that's a nice principle. You know, we just we skip over it. That line where it says, you're either king of all or you're not my king at all. I, I, I either orbit you, I reorient all of my life around you, or it's something else. I, th- I think the Holy Spirit does something profound when you hear lines of worship. I've been singing that over and over and over again, and it just, unless it was the context you hear, I went, oh, Lord, maybe I don't mean what I'm singing. Because I know there'd be courage and there'd be boldness and there'd be no anxiety and there'd be all sorts of ways that I'm cutting through life if, if he was there. And I, I think it's true for, for many of us in this place. We feel the same way with it all. We, we think we are and then we push in with solitude tests and nightmare tests and there's homework to do. Um, <laughs> here's what I, a couple of questions I want to ask us this morning. You know, I think the big one that I'm coming to realise is will, will we ever really find what we ultimately want on our own? <laughs> Have you thought about that? You know, if a if a three if you if a three year old thinks that all he needs is juice, who are you to say that even the grandest things that you could think of this morning is what you really want in the first place? And I think the great challenge for anyone, if they are searching, are coming into a recognition of that in many ways we don't even know how to express or to articulate what it is that we truly want. And the, the great news is, is, that, is that God understood this and God sent his son into the world to come and lead us into a place 
where um, he would take us into those places and spaces where it's progressively revealed to us. In other words, you know, if you've been sitting with us for a little bit and you're not yet a Christian and you've been, you know, you were with us last week and you heard that this was a thing thing, not a religious thing, and, and you get in a sense that, that, that these Northside guys could be onto something here and the way they talk about it, you know, I never think about it that way and maybe there could be something in this and if I just do these steps and I can work it all out, can I give you the tip? You're probably not going to work it all out. And could I suggest to you this morning that what you're really after is not a thing or a what, but what you're really after is a who. And perhaps... The, the greatest thing that happened in that moment for me when that whole horse riding for the disabled is, is that, is that it, it, it wasn't a matter of just anti-accounting in all of that way. And in that moment, I was pulled out of that orbit of that system by something greater and something more wonderful. And there's someone that, you know, even today when I can dream and I can wonder and I can, you know, I'm a dreamer. I like to think about big things, but, but he whispers to me through his Holy Spirit and saying, Sam, the things that you want for, you can't even imagine what you want and what I can do with you. And it's true for you this morning. All of this has been leaning towards me saying, I don't want you to leave this place if I wasn't absolutely clear that I wholeheartedly believe because of the richness and the beauty and the strength and the courage of so many saints that are around me in this place of what we all really want and what you really want is Jesus Christ. And he's the only one who can lead you into the place of, of, of what you would really want because he's the only one outside the system of, of Instapix. He's the only one who, who, who's outside all of that system that can, can truly know and understand and articulate what it is you really want because you'll never know what you really want unless you really know what you were created for and you will never know what you were created for until you link it to who you were created by. You can never know what you want until there's context around all of this. And so can I suggest that what we want, all of us, is Jesus Jesus to lead us out into this year, into the places and the spaces and the progressive revelation of what it is that we want. I want to finish with this this morning. Beautiful part of C.S. Lewis's book, The Great Divorce, where there's this, there's this young, young man and he gets taken up into heaven and there's a, he's up there in heaven with a guide and he gets up into heaven and, and he, he sees uh, this, this, this beautiful um, lady and this in- incredible entourage of all of these children and women and men all, all dancing around her and, and the person that gets to heaven says, is, is it, could it be, is it, is it? And we pick it up from the story here and, and the guide says, oh, no, no, not, not at all. It's, it's not he. It's someone you'll never have heard of. Her name on earth was Sarah Smith and she lived at Golders Green. She seems to be, well, a person of incredible importance. Look at her. Aye, she's one of the great ones. You have heard that fame in this country and fame on earth are two quite different things. And who are all these young men and women on her side? Oh, they're her sons and daughters. Well, she must have had a very large family, sir. Oh, no, um, every young man or boy that met her became her son and every girl that met her was her daughter. Isn't, well, isn't that a bit hard on her parents? Oh, no, these, there are parents that steal other people's children, but motherhood was, her motherhood was of a, of a different kind. Those on whom it fell went back to their natural parents, loving them more. 
Few men looked on her without becoming, in certain fashion, her lovers. But it was the kind of love that made them not less true, but truer to their own wives. And now the abundance of life she has in Christ from the Father flows over into them. But already there is joy enough in the little finger of such a great saint to waken all the dead things of the universe to life. So who was this Sarah Smith of Golders Green? She was a nobody. Golders Green was nowhere. She never got married. She never made money. She became a person of such enormous love and joy that it overflowed from her. Have ye not heard that fame here and on earth are two totally different things? What should you be asking for? What do you want? What do you, what do you really want? You know, are you going to continue to live a life that points finger at God saying, I haven't got this and I haven't got that and you haven't done this and you haven't done that? What, what do you want to be asking him for? What if the very things that you are complaining about are the very things that make you into a person of wonder and beauty and greatness? What do you want? They're the things that last And all of these things that we fight for and we push against in the natural, they're the very things that are creating you to be a being that you can't possibly imagine what you would look like when you get there. What's actually important, what's actually important when it becomes most important. You know what the great mystery of all of this is? Is that you'll often discover if you stay with Jesus enough that what what to you is actually important is the very thing that is actually important to God and that you've never been that far from him in the first place. So Christians, for us it means if there is no courage, if there is no boldness, if there's no overflowing love, if there's constant anxiety, if, if, if there is no wonder in our lives, you just got to keep digging. <laughs> it's right under our noses. And friend, if, if, you are, if, if you are the sort of person who has yet to meet Jesus Christ and life has been consumed by following a thing or a what, can I suggest to you that your trajectory just change, that maybe, just maybe this morning, you don't need a big faith, by the way, this morning. You just need little thrusters. You see it on Apollo, just little thrusters to take you out of this orbit and to place yourself into his There's an opportunity to do that this morning as all of us continue on our journey this year to discover what it is that we truly want. And in so doing, maybe just maybe be led into a resolution. No, it's not a typo for the last time. (laughs) It's the discovery of him, of Jesus Christ. And we do so in following him compares all of life into an action behind him. Let's pray. Father, Our three-year-old selves cry out to you this morning. Some in wonder and excitement, thinking that we know it. Others frustrated, (laughs) angry, declaring that you haven't provided it. But for all of us, I pray, Father, that in the ordinariness of all that we move into this week and in the midst of the distractions as well, that maybe, just maybe, in its hiddenness, we will discover your things, those things beneath the surface that will emerge into our lives with such power and wonder. 
we can't help but be shifted. We await, Father. We await the way that you are going to reveal that to us. We hope for that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.